Welcome, everybody. Let's talk real estate. Your weekly BS with Barry Saywitz about the current commercial real estate market here in Southern California. As we take a no BS look at both sides of the issues driving this market today to find the best solutions going forward. With our man right in the middle, Barry Saywitz. Hey, Barry. Hey, good morning, Paul, uh, and good morning to all of you out there, all of our listeners and our viewers. Welcome back. If it's Tuesday, we're talking real estate. I am Barry Saywitz, president of the Saywitz Company and managing partner of Barry Saywitz Properties. And if it's one thing I've learned in my 30-plus years of uh, being in real estate, it's to look at both sides of the equation and try and gather as much information as you can and make informed business decisions. And so we're going to try and help you do that today. I'm excited about today's show. It's one of my favorite topics. We're going to talk the office sales market, investment market, a little bit of leasing as well. And uh, no one better to uh, have that discussion with than Steve Economos, uh, who is a partner with Economos DeWolf Commercial Real Estate here in Orange County, longtime player in the commercial real estate brokerage market, small business owner, broker extraordinaire. Steve, welcome to the show. Thank you so much, Barry. Appreciate it. Yeah. So th- thanks for coming on. I want to, uh, before we get going, I want to give a shout out to all the folks out there that uh help make things run with the universities and the schools and uh, down to the janitors and the teachers and the engineers to make sure everything is running smoothly, not only for our kids, but also here at the radio station as well. So thank you. So in terms of the office real estate market, people always say to me, what's going to happen with the real estate market? And I go, well, what part of the real estate market? Because you need to break it down. And a lot of people think the real estate market is my house. And that's not what you do. That's not what I do. And while that is part of it, we're going to talk about the office market today. That's your specialty. I know you're a longtime resident of Orange County, longtime player in the commercial real estate market, longtime family history in it. I guess, number one, before we get going, talk about your background and sort of where you've seen the market pre-COVID. And then I guess we can delve into talking about where we are today. No, absolutely. I appreciate it. Again, I started uh, at Grubb & Ellis in January of 1993, so pushing 30 years in the market like you. And I've seen quite a few changes, notably the severe downturn that we had when I started. Luckily, it had already been in full effect by the time I got into the market, so I didn't have to ride it down like a lot of people did. But we saw values, you know, for nice office buildings, well under $50 a foot. Then fast forward to what I would call the next market peak, 2007. And we had a pretty severe downturn then again as well, as we all know, the Great Recession. And we saw values pretty much fall in half in that period. And we can go through some examples in what years that those occurred. But again, a pretty pretty long climb back out and got excited in 2019 that we were back full swing ahead. and. Here we are now dealing with the pandemic and the potentially recession and interest rates creeping up and war and everything else hitting, hitting us all at once. So it'll be a bumpy road again, I think, but I'm optimistic that we'll figure it out. Never a dull moment, right. uh, certainly here in Southern California as well, because I think that the market swings here are much harder, higher and lower in both directions than some other parts of the country. Right. But you bring back memories for me. I started with Grubb and Ellis in 1989, and I started in October of 1989, and the market crashed in November of 1989. So I got it right out the gate. So I know how it goes. For those people out there that have lived through other recessions, and for those people out there that are older and live through interest rates in the teens, yeah. uh, you know, five or six percent of what we're talking about today, relatively speaking, not so bad. For the people that are looking six months back, you're going to pay more. There's no question. 
So let's talk about the office sales market. One of your specialties is the small to mid-size office right. sales. So whether it's an owner user, whether it's an investor, whether it's a value add, those are the kinds of things I think that you work on on a daily basis, no? Right, right. Our specialty is probably what I would call in between the 2 and 20 million range. With a great majority of our sales over the last few years being owner user sales. And again, that's where we sell the building to a group that then occupies it. I would say before 2000 or up through 2007, we were probably 50 50 between investment sales and owner user sales. And then crawling out of the, the Great Recession, because there was so much vacancy, we needed to sell those buildings to somebody who was going to occupy it just to, to save, the, save the asset. And then since then, with interest rates getting so low, obviously having crept up now recently, but uh, that really continued to fuel that fire, which was the owner user sales. And unfortunately, in this county, we had a lot of small building for sale projects developed. You know, where I don't think you have that in, in bigger city centers, you know, yeah. so say New York, Chicago, Los Angeles, and so forth, where we have a lot of buildings between five and 20,000 feet that people can buy and occupy. Maybe not so much today because that is not the highest and best use, but back at that time, that was a good exit strategy for a developer to build and then sell these individual small right. users. And there was a market for it because people who were small business owners like myself, like yourself, mm -hmm. wanted to own their own building, uh, right. just like they want to own their own house. Right. And with the interest rates low, it gave the user the ability to take on more space than maybe what they needed. So if the building was a little bit bigger than what they needed, they could either rent out the excess space or they could just pay for it and not use it right. because the rates were so low. Which, yeah, in fact, it, I'm sorry, go ahead. No, no, which which is starting to change. Right. right. And I was going to say that the uh, kind of rule of thumb that we typically adhered to was that the buyer would occupy about half of the building initially because you don't want to buy a building and then have not have any room to grow. Yeah. So that was definitely the plan where they would be leasing out, you know, a portion of it to, to third parties and then eventually grow into it. Yeah. And in our office, it's we call it the purchase partial lease back. Mm -hmm. Right. So you buy some, you rent some out and then if you need it, great. And if you don't, you just keep renting. Right. right. And so I guess let's talk about that for a second, because the for those folks out there who aren't familiar with the financing that's available mm -hmm. on these types of properties, it's pretty unique with the SBA program. Correct. Correct. Yeah. Very unique in so, that it. Um, allows for a 90% loan typically, you know, where part of it is through the SBA, part of it is through the local bank. And so you're only coming up 10% down. Now the fees tend to be quite a bit higher. There's a lot of scrutiny there because the government's involved, but to only come up with 10% down, I mean, that makes it a very viable alternative to leasing. Whereas if you were to buy a multi-tenant office building as an investor, you're probably looking 30% yeah. 30 down. Yeah, well, and then also with the SBA financing, if the building needs improvements, you can roll those improvements into the financing so that, let's just pick a number. If you bought a building for $5 million, it required a half a million dollars of fix-up. It's a total investment of $5.5 million. You as the borrower or the buyer right. uh, have to come up with $550 right. million. Whereas in the traditional type of financing, you're coming up with close to $2 million. Right. Right. So it's it's definitely a big swing. And on the user side, we meet with business owners all the time that say, hey, I got some money. I'd like to buy a building. And then the trick was, how do I find it? Because they're not so easy to find. Right. And then when the market's hot, it's pretty expensive. Right. So the market's chugging along prior to COVID. Everything's good. Product is selling. Businesses are growing. Most buildings are pretty full. They can see on the office side, not so high. And then COVID hits and we all know what happened and it falls off a cliff. Why? Because right. everybody's working from home and nobody knows what's going on. Right. 
So let's not focus on the total negative. Uh, we'll try and look forward. As we sit today, have you seen people start to come back? And if so, what sectors are those coming back? Are there still people working from home? Still a lot of people working from home. And I think that's going to be a permanent situation. The question then, of course, is you know how many days, how many hours of the days are they in? And we don't know. I mean, we really, really don't know. I watched a, a video about LinkedIn's new, or I guess their corporate headquarters, and then now their new build out of it in San Francisco. And they had it designed for, I don't know the exact square footage, but the, they had designs for 1,000 cubicles. I think it was 1,080. And COVID hit, they've completely redone their space, and now it has 500 cubicles. Yeah. So then the question is, okay, well, does that mean there's more space allocated per employee than before, which could be spun as a positive? But I don't think that's necessarily the case. They have a lot of small library-style carols that people can pop into and work. But the one thing that I thought was really neat and really interesting was that they redid the lobby and kind of the focus of the path of travel, where normally you'd walk into a high-rise office building and there might be a receptionist there and a couple couches and a directory. And then you check yeah. in with the receptionist, go to the right, elevator right. and go on up. So with their new headquarters, they have a, a coffee bar, barista, music playing. They want it to be very social. So they want people to feel good about coming back to work, see people. And then what they call the more focused areas are deeper, deeper, deeper into the space. So when you come in, you get a warm and fuzzy. Exactly. The other dynamic that I find challenging talking to business owners, and I'm curious your thoughts, is exactly that dynamic of what does the space look like right. in today's environment. On the one hand, I want more space so people can spread out. Maybe I want to put people in private offices so they feel secure, which requires more space and more build out. Uh, the flip side is, hey, maybe I just take less space because I only have people coming in a couple of days a week or right. I just don't know. And so I think there's that uncertainty. Yeah. And I, and I don't know if there's any way around it in the near term. I think everyone's figuring it out as they go. You would ask what sectors and what I've noticed, it isn't necessarily sectors per se, that it's sizes of companies. Where yeah. the smaller company, where the people are more familiar with each other, they're more familiar with each other, they feel safer around each other, they are mostly back at work. Yeah. I shouldn't say it mostly, but I mean, at, at the majority that I talk to, a lot of their employees are back at work roughly full time. I mean, is it Friday's off now? Probably. To bigger companies, I think it's more of a political issue, you know, where they have policies and procedures and so forth that they're dealing with, where it's harder for them to bring people back. I mean, we've had two Labor Days now. Yeah. We thought everyone's coming back after Labor Day. Right. I agree. I mean, I think, you know, if you have a company that's, you know, 15 employees or less, you're not exposed to massive amounts of people from a health and safety risk. Right. And it is the same kind of core group of people. Whereas if you're just not sure and it's 100 people, you're exposed to a lot of different things and lifestyles, sure. et cetera. And I've also found that there are certain industries that have told me, hey, we can do this from home. You know, accounting firms or other types of customer service where you could just do it on the phone and you, you could be on your couch in your underwear and, and make that phone right, call right. and work on the computer versus, I don't know, pick a real estate company. Right. You have to have that interaction. You don't see any real estate companies that say, yeah, it's cool to work from home. I, I need you here. Right. right. So I do think that there's still that struggle and that relates back to this supply demand issue on the office side. Right. right. So in terms of the sales side, I guess, as far as activity goes, you know, if you look at the window today versus a year ago versus where you expect it to be tomorrow, right. what are you thinking? While we were going into the pandemic, I think I was looking back, I did this report back in May of 2020. And what I did is I looked back at what the number of sales were in Orange County 
office sales above a million dollars in 2007. And let's say round numbers were about 300 sales in the county. Then I looked at 2009 and we were probably 120. And then I looked at values, 2007 would have been the peak, and then values then fell roughly in half Hmm. in 2010. So it took the lower velocity of sales to then cause the fall in pricing. So then I tried to gauge where we were gonna be going into the pandemic and I thought, okay, let's look at 2019, kind of our new peak. And sure enough, we were about 300 sales. And then I looked at the th- next three months of or the first three months of the pandemic, the next three months from there. And we were if you extrapolated those three and annualized it, it was going to be about 120 sales. So history is repeating itself. Well, and they pick back up. Yeah. OK, so it turned a little more quickly. And then I just did a this morning just to kind of get a gauge. I just looked at the, la- the last 12 months and it's probably going to be or was about 200 sales. So in the middle. So in the middle. So in the middle. So not as bad. And I think if you talk to most people in the office sector of the real estate market, it's climbing back. It's yeah. just a slower crawl, right. I think, than a run. And then in terms of values, have you really seen the value so far drop, either as a result of the pandemic or now as we're getting into higher interest rates? Right. Has that had an effect or not so much? Well, I think it will. And I think it won't be as severe as, as 2010 and 11's values, which came on the heels of no deals getting done in 2009. Yeah. So now that our deals have dropped in these last 12 months, and now that we have so much space coming back on market, whether it be sublease or direct, I think it's inevitable, of course, with rising interest rates that we'll see independent product specific, of course, because we have seen some sales that have been higher, you know, record prices even recently yeah. for very desirable properties. But I would say the class C properties that are mid-sized, I would say, are probably in for the bumpiest road. Yeah. And it seems like the ones either closer to the coast or in the higher right. demographic areas should still hold their value right. a little bit better. Well, what I think is going to help us, too, in Orange County is that one of the studies said that a lot of people said they're not adverse to going to work. They're adverse to getting to work, meaning it's the commute. Yeah. And it's the getting ready process, right? You got to get up. You got to get in the shower. You got to put on your fancy clothes. You got to walk to your car, sit in traffic or sit on the public transportation, depending on the market you're in. And then walk again to the office, ride up the elevator, and then you just killed an hour that you just realized was pretty productive when you were at home. Right, right. We're fortunately in Orange County, we're being more of a suburban market. You know, our commutes aren't as long. You know, luckily we built the 241 and the 73, so people can get around fairly easily. Our buildings aren't as big, meaning that it's, you know, the parking structure is only three levels or four. Right. Our tallest building is 21 stories. So, I mean, we're not as bad in terms of that situation where people are just like, I can't get in the car. I can't get in the subway again. I don't feel safe. It's not clean. It's But I would tell you also, you know, someone who has a 10 or 15 minute commute versus somebody who might be coming from Long Beach to the Irvine Spectrum right. could be an hour commute. Yeah, it, in that it, case, it's an correct. Issue. Yeah. I mean, it's an issue for the employer and it's an issue for the employee. Yeah, agreed. And so I don't know how you get around that. That may just be a fact of life. At the same time, when it gets back to the desirability of these buildings, I'm curious your thoughts on this one, but to me, the owner of the business wants to try and cut his commute as much as possible. Of course. So it seems like if I was buying a building, I'd like to have it be sort of close to where I live, right. assuming that's feasible. Right. Well, and again, back to Orange County being, being I think, pretty ideal. I mean, you've, you've got a very desirable place to live and work. And then the fact that our working environment is relatively close. I mean, someone obviously could be living in Brea and not want to come to Mission Viejo. I mean, let's right. run the extremes. But you figure the airport area is about half the market. And I would say most executives probably live 
in and around the airport area. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Um, and the other thing that I like about Orange County is the dynamic of the types of businesses that are here. Absolutely. Because you have technology, you have uh, new businesses, you have influx of people that relocate to the area that create new opportunities. And, and to me, that's one of the biggest and the best hopes that I could have for the office market is that there's some continued growth, not only inherently from the businesses that are here, but that there's other businesses that, that crop up as time right. goes forward. And I think the problem with COVID is you had people just quitting, right? Yeah. And then they're like, forget it, I'll just be a consultant or I'll just take some time off. Right, right. And that, that killed that. You get back to the executive suites and they've struggled because you're in with a bunch of people you don't know. And you're like, well, if I was just renting an office or two, right. I might as well just be in my house. Yeah. Exactly. exactly. So in terms of the um, investment side of things, so if an, I'm an investor and I want to buy a small to medium sized office building in today's world, is there product out there that I have to pick from or is it still pretty tight? Both. It's tight when you're looking for a, a great deal. It's not so tight when you will take on anything and no one will. So the question then is, are sellers going to position their building and by that i mean offer it at a, at a cap rate that's that's saleable today by cap rate meaning you know the net operating income the sale price divided into the net operating income and that net operating income the noi is a little shaky today based on the fact that if if some of your tenants had signed leases let's say a five-year lease in 2018 or 19 they, have, up. they haven't had a bite at the pandemic apple yet meaning they haven't given any space back which as we talked about moments ago is probably pretty likely yeah, that combined with, uh, we hear it all the time from our own tenants, hey, there's a recession, you should give me a deal, right? right? And right. so there's that perception that I should get a better deal and I might need less space, which is for a landlord, sort of a double kick in the knees. Yeah, yeah. That sort of brings me to my next point, which is, is there, are you feeling like there's still a, a bit of a disconnect between the seller and the buyer where the seller is trying to hold on to yesterday's cap rate or yesterday's value of his building and and he's got that number in his head right and then you have the buyer who goes hey i think you know we're going to fall off a cliff and i want that number uh, right. i think interest rates are going to rise and i want a lesser number and now you're just pushing the parties further away right yeah i think that's the stage we're in yeah and so then how do you it's a tough one but i mean right. how do you combat that best you can in those conversations with both sides to try and make a deal because as a broker if i can't get two parties on the same page i don't right. make a deal i don't make any money right yeah i think it's looking historically at where the where the county's been both in terms of sale price per foot and lease rates per foot and i think if we can make a case that yes maybe in the next 12 24 months the market could drop but look at this location as we all know real estate location 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 that if you are buying a good quality asset in a good area that there might be some downward pressure on the NOI in the years a year ahead. That after that we will pick back up because I think the pendulum is going to swing, but we don't know that timing. Of course, I mean, are we back to a, a forty-hour work week by every employee? Probably not. They said, you know, based on key swipes nationally, Tuesdays and Wednesdays are the biggest day. Right now, I think Mondays and Fridays will be not optional, but I don't think they're going to have the same attendance that they've had in the past. Yeah. And I heard Tuesday was a slow day because a lot of people, at least in the morning, were listening to us. Uh, <laughs> but that could... They're at work with headphones. Right. That might be skewed data. Right. But the other thing is that do you feel like cap rates, that there's a disconnect or a differential, maybe as a better word, between the cap rate and interest rates? So if interest rates were three and a half 
and you were selling a building at a four and a half cap, right. you could finance part of it and you could make your return higher. Right. Whereas today you have cap rates at four and a half or five cap, and then you have interest rates, which are now going to be at six or more. Right. And now you're actually losing ground. So my return's actually worse because I'm putting debt on the property. Right. And do you expect that dynamic to hold? It's going to be interesting to watch. I, the, the only solution would be, right, to raise cap. For right. The so cap rate has to, to me, the, the simple math right. is cap rate has to go right. up. And then the question is, look, if I fear that the rental rate going forward is either less than what it might be today, or I fear that I'm going to get space back and I'm going right. to have to put money in to fix it up, that makes it even worse. Right. Yesterday's conversation was, hey, there's upside in the rents, right? I mean, you don't hear that so much right. anymore where, hey, you can go back and raise everybody's rents. Hard to do that in a recession and, you know, may not be the case. And so I also think that it depends on how long you're going to hold the property, right? Right. I mean, isn't that if you're going to hold it for 20 years or 30 years and it's a long-term asset, then hopefully long-term you should be fine. Right. If you were going to buy it and flip it in five years, it's a different story. Right. Where I'm optimistic is I think we're not going to see much new supply aside from say Irvine company in terms of office space yeah. in the years going forward for obvious reasons we just talked about it doesn't it's not going to make sense to build any new office and we're already seeing now an industrial conversion i know of two office buildings in the foothill ranch area of lake forest purchased by an industrial developer three building project in tustin the owner is going to redevelop it as industrial just talked to an investor the other day who paid 350 dollars a foot for an office building that he's going to knock down and develop industrial. Yeah, it's crazy. And so I think as we lose supply and then the pendulum swings, I mean, all of a sudden there's your comeback. So, I mean, I think that's our story today is why someone would buy a multi-tenant office building today Yeah, would be your look. Well, either A, you buy it and you could sell it to that developer down right. the road and maybe make some money, right. or for when the market does come back, you'll be in a much better right. place. I mean, you've also seen people buy uh, office buildings and convert them to car dealerships or multifamily or other types of uses that are higher, better use than today's office market. Right. In fact, the one that I'm bullish on is medical. I think the the, the keys to the kingdom there are just the, the parking ratios that the cities demand. And if they lighten those up based on different studies that we've done where we've brought appointment books and so forth to the, to the city planners and show them that we don't have, you know, the, the client we were working with, that we don't have that many patients coming. You know, some of it's lab space, some of it's PT space. We don't need the six per thousand ratio right. that, that you're suggesting. And now you look at with City Hope, their cancer center and spectrum. You look at what UCI is doing off Jamboree at campus, their brand new hospital. Providence has just announced a new tower down at Mission Hospital, plus two new annexes, one in Rancho Mission Viejo, one in San Clemente. I think where there's going to be a ton of demand for medical space in and around those hospitals. I agree. I agree. And then the issue with the medical is cost of construction right. to build those types of improvements, which office space more than industrial medical space more than anything. Uh, and and that was one of my other questions, which is how has the supply chain issues and the inflationary rise up in costs of materials affected people looking to go remodel office buildings yeah. or, or make improvements. I mean, must still be seeing that as well. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. 100%. I mean, just talking to a friend who's, who's um, remodeling his home right now. You yeah, can't get anybody to work and it costs yeah. twice as much. And I think you mentioned COVID is still hitting people in strange ways where all of a sudden the contractors falls down with it and he doesn't show up. So, I mean, yeah, we're, I think there's, there's a lot of issues that are still lingering, but I think they're obviously dwindling now, I think, thankfully. Yeah. So I told you it would go fast before we started, and uh, it has. We've only got a couple of minutes left. I guess uh, before we wrap up, I want to get your thoughts for looking forward for the next 12 months. And while no one's got a crystal ball, I'm curious, 
on the office sector, mm-hmm. does it stay the same? Does it get worse? Is it a little better? What do you think? I'm of the mind that we stay the same for now because we're still working through the pandemic issues. The, the pandemic's issues are, again, who's going back to work and when. I think a lot of companies have figured it out. I think, as, as we talked about with LinkedIn, they've completely redone their space. They've got an idea of how people are going to function within it. As I mentioned, there's still companies that probably haven't had their bite at the apple yet. If they signed a lease right before the pandemic and they've been honorably paying their rent through this whole period, and then when they have an expiration date coming up, they might be given some space back. That'll be mitigated by those who are starting to grow again. Yeah. And so it'll be interesting to see. I don't, my take is I don't see huge swings of the pendulum. I think it's right. going to be more of a crawl back. And then, you know, what are you telling your clients that own buildings? Mm-hmm. Are you telling them, hey, quick sell and get out now? You probably get a better number today than next year or ride it out, sit tight and let's see what happens. I think ride it out. I think ride it out. Because I, I think right now to sell quickly, you're probably selling at a discount. I mean, and it's, a, of course, case by case, right? I mean, if somebody's got, 60% of their building rolling in a year. I mean, I think you would have to ride it out. Right. Try to get to those tenants, maybe discount their rents a bit just to keep them in there so they don't go looking for discount space elsewhere. And then get your rent roll stabilized. Yeah. And then what about uh, the people that are looking at buying, whether it's the owner, user? I mean, the SBA financing is still phenomenal at any rate. Yeah, um, historically still very low. And again, with owner users, they're usually dealing with an expiration date because they're probably a tenant today right. leasing somewhere. Their lease is expiring in, say, six to nine months. So they need to do something, whether they renew where they're at, move somewhere else and lease, or buy something. So they're, they have kind of a, a window to do something. Yeah. Those people who have a time ticker certainly have to make a decision one right. way or the other. The investor who's looking to buy something, is there opportunity out there for them yet? Or is that going to be more prevalent as time goes? I think if they're cash buyers, there's opportunities today. Yeah. So yeah. you heard it here. Steve says, if you got money and it's a good <laughs> deal, buy it. Call him first. Right. If you're uh, not sure about what happens, then sit tight for a little bit and we'll wait and see what happens. Absolutely. But, but I appreciate the uh, the input and the insight, as always. Good to chat with you. Uh, I wish you much continued success to you and your family and your you business. Well. Uh, and I appreciate you coming on. Yeah, and so, this was fun. I am Barry Saywitz, president of the Saywitz Company. Thanks for uh, all of our viewers and our listeners for tuning in again. Special thanks to Paul and Sophia and the whole crew here at uh, OC Talk Radio. Uh, if it's Tuesday, we're real estate. We're talking real estate. We will see you back next week. I'm Barry Saywitz. Thanks for tuning in and we'll see you soon. Well, there you have it. You've been listening to Let's Talk Real Estate, your weekly BS with Barry Saywitz about the current state of the real commercial real estate market right here in Southern California. On Orange County's only community radio station, OC Talk Radio, streaming live from our studio here at the University of California, Irvine's Beale Applied Innovation Center.